0: This is ABS-CBN Corporation, Channel 2, in the service of the Filipino. Now, signing off. May 5, 2020. The country's oldest and largest broadcasting network goes black. Two months later, the dark screen remains because lawmakers at the House of Representatives rejected a new franchise for ABS-CBN.
1: So 70 ang yes, 11 ang no, dalawa nag isa The resolution to deny ABS-CBN's franchise application is hereby adopted.
0: In Malacanang, the president's men say he is completely neutral on the issue. But this falls in the face of the fact that, number one, it was Duterte's allies in the House that struck the blow on ABS-CBN. Number two, that his appointee, Solicitor General Jose Calida, also moved against the network. And number three, that Duterte was the first to threaten ABS-CBN's franchise back in 2017. I will file a complaint. Uh, uh, no long, uh,
1: Congress, uh, no need to renew it. But to operate, is something else. So I will point, uh, point this out. Yung uh, basura ninyo, then uh, we'll see.
0: Sir, you're going to block the renewal of the franchise of ABS? Yes! Kung ganong ano, you are engaged in swindling. Duterte's hands are all over the ABS-CBN franchise rejection. Hi, I'm Pirenada. Welcome to Seat of Power. This is the second episode. And for this discussion, I'm speaking with John Neri, veteran journalist and Philippine Daily Inquirer columnist. John is also chairman at the Asian Center for Journalism and convenes the Consortium on Democracy and Disinformation. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's dive right into it. The ABS-CBN shutdown happened last week and we've had a weekend to wrap our minds around it. I myself still have a difficult time understanding how this happened. And although, of course, we saw the writing in the wall years ago when Duterte first threatened ABS-CBN back in 2017, I know it's still hard to understand that it's actually here and ABS-CBN will remain off-air for an uncertain period of time. How has this affected you personally as a journalist and as a Filipino?
1: Start by uh, saying that I share your sense of disbelief Earlier this year, I was speaking with a group of foreign visitors and uh, one of the items on the agenda was abs And I was quite optimistic. I could not wrap my head around the idea that they would actually shut down the country's largest network. I had a chance to talk to the leader of that foreign delegation after the uh, season is in May. He said, what happened? And I said, uh, I guess I was just too optimistic. But ever since the first week of May, I've learned to be more pessimistic about our chances as a society, as a democratic project, as a profession. I fully expected the rejection of the franchise renewal application. Uh, I thought that they might want to extend the political theater a bit and bring it up to plenary. I had no doubt that under Cayetano and with the President's Express expressed hostility against a new franchise. So how's, how has this affected me personally? Well, as a, as a journalist, uh, I share the sense of many that this represents the worst blow to press freedom uh, since the declaration of martial law in 1972. It's worrying, uh, personally, of course, you try to work around your risk. you try to do the best reporting or writing, uh, but uh, you're still capable. Share the sense of fear. Uh, if they can do this to ABS-CBN, uh, the country's largest network with the country's largest news operation, they can do this to anyone.
0: Yesterday, we heard the president again rant about oligarchs. And because this happened days after the ABS-CBN franchise rejection, it's pretty obvious that he was referring to the Lopez family who owns ABS-CBN. Itong mga mayaman
1: na ang gobierno ang tao. Without declaring martial law, sinira ko yung mga na humahawak sa economia at Kumihiti. At hindi nagbabayad, they take advantage sa kanilang political power. Yes, uh, I found the president's remarks uh, made in Holosulu uh, very uh, revealing for two reasons. First, this is a president who says the quiet part out loud his own spokesmen, his own political allies, try not to give the game away. They offer all sorts of rationalizations. And then here comes the president saying, well, I ordered this, or I wanted them them to do that. Uh, And in this particular case, in Sulu, he says, without martial law, I was able to shut down the Lópezes, with whom he equates the old oligarchy to differentiate it from the new one that he is establishing. Uh, The second thing that strikes me about his remark is that... uh, They are very revealing of his uh, views on his political enemies, as you uh, yourself pointed out. The oligarchy is uh, one of those uh, convenient scapegoats for his enemies. If you're not a communist, then you're an oligarch. It's just a category of troublemaker. And in this case, he says he's very proud that he was able to kill the oligarchy without benefit of martial law. I think it's very uh, revealing because he is directly comparing himself to his main presidential idol, Ferdinand Marcos. And he is saying he did Marcos one better. Without the need for declaring martial law, he was able to do to the Lopez family what Marcos did in 1972. I think that's the uh, subtext and the context of his remarks in uh, Holosulu.
0: How do we untangle Duterte's accusation about the media being oligarchs. Is this an accurate portrayal of the media? And why does he continue with this kind of juxtaposition?
1: What makes uh, the uh, usual Duterte narratives gain traction is that it, it is a mix of the true and the false. It is true that big businessmen own some of the biggest media enterprises. But this is true not just of ABS-CBN, but also of of GMA, uh, for instance, or TV5, both of which won new franchises without so much as a struggle. Although in the case of TV5, their new franchise was allowed to lapse into law. Uh, Duterte didn't sign it. And because of this uh, kernel of truth, he's able to weave a disinformation narrative that his base is able to grab hold of and help spread. So like I said, it's a mix of the true and the false. The false part is the bigger part of it. We all know people who've worked with ABS-CBN. We know that for the most part, they do their work with full editorial independence. So to be able to uh, smear a network like ABS-CBN and say it's part of the oligarchy is only to paint a very small part of the picture. It's owned by a rich family and to leave out the rest of the picture, which is that there are thousands of um, independent-minded journalists working in ABS-CBN.
0: You know, this kind of narrative, it does gain a lot of traction, especially among... Filipinos who might not be as aware with how editorial independence works, with how newsrooms work. And it's very clear that Duterte has been very able to take advantage of this lack of awareness and been able to weave Nga this narrative that you mentioned. So what do you think about people's understanding of newsrooms? What is one thing that normal Filipinos should understand when it comes to journalism and power? Because obviously we have to write and be critical about people in power, but at the same time people who don't understand the process would say, eh, pinu niya yung mga politicians, you deserve what you get because you write negative views about them. What should we remind people about when it comes to this false interpretation of journalism?
1: What should Filipinos know about the practice of journalism? I think there are a couple of points. First, that the notion of objectivity, everyone says the journalist should be objective, has been misunderstood. It's actually only about uh, 100 years old, this concept, of uh, objectivity in journalism, and it actually refers to the method by which journalists arrive at the truth and write a story. It does not apply to the journalists themselves. How can it? I mean, uh, journalists are human, they are vulnerable to influence, they have their own prejudgments, they have their own opinions. I would say that's that's one of the first things that I would recommend that we have a better understanding of the notion of objectivity. It applies not to the journalist but to the method. A second point is that there is an even more important principle in journalism and that is independence. We must be independent of the people we cover. We cannot be part of the circle of players that we cover. Independence is the principle of journalism that explains why Rizal himself can be considered a journalist when he was writing for La Solidaridad. He had a point of view. In other words, he was biased, quote-unquote. He had a perspective. He had a specific purpose. But that did not make his writings for La Solidaridad propaganda. Although, of course, they were called the propaganda movement. But again, that's a misunderstanding. propaganda movement meant... Uh, they were propagating the views uh, of reform in, uh, in Spain. Uh, Rizal can be considered a journalist uh, when he was writing for La Solidaridad because he was independent uh, of the powers uh, that he was covering. Maybe uh, just a third and last point, after uh, a better understanding of objectivity, after reclaiming the concept of independence, I think we should also consider or we should all have a better understanding uh, of pluralism, the best way for the media to cover any society is not through just one media organization, but through many. This is why attacks on Rappler, attacks on the Philippine Daily Inquirer, attacks on Verifiles, on PCIJ, on alternative independent media like Bulatlat.com, and on ABS-CBN, Each attack can be considered, or is in fact, an attack on press freedom because it attacks the basic concept behind press freedom, which is it works best if if there's a plurality of news organizations seeking what Carl Bernstein called the best obtainable version of the truth.
0: Are you surprised by the level by which Duterte has been successful in co-opting media? I mean we would think the vast journalists were independent we hold power to account but for some reason there are people in the industry who are easily swayed or were able to side with people in power is this surprising to you or is this the first time you've seen such a level of co-optation and what are your general feelings about you?
1: no unfortunately this is par for the course for filipino journalists the biggest critic of marcos before he declared martial law was chodoro F. valencia and chodoro F. valencia became the biggest cheerleader of marcos after martial law was declared in fact giodoro f valencia was the one who popularized the saying that the uh, philippines is uh, martial law with a smile so it's in our history unfortunately part of the reason is we are more vulnerable to blandishments of power because we cover power this is the occupational hazard of us journalists Because we cover power, we think that maybe we deserve some of that power. There are journalists who think that way. There are journalists who think nothing of getting the president or a senator or a congressman or a governor that they cover as their wedding uh, sponsor, as their Nino or Nina. Why? It's, you know, it's a tradition, but at the same time, it's like. you justify it because you, you see yourself as part of that circle. So we are, as journalists, vulnerable to the blandishments of power. And Duterte knows how to wield this by offering it and also by threatening to withhold it. He really believes in the power of the sample, no? the, of the example, of course, in sample in, in Tagalog. He, he has said this himself, the way he cut down on uh, kidnapping, and other violent crimes in Davao was to make an example of the first gang that he encountered when he was uh, mayor. He said this when he visited us in the Inquirer in August 2015. Uh, and he said, you know, he killed them. But of course, when you ask him, point now, did you actually pull the trigger? He said, well, you know, I'm a prosecutor. I'm not going to tell you things that are incriminating to me. But the idea was that he started that story to show that after he made an example of that gang, the crime rate went down. The same thing also, he made an example of Phil Webb very early in his term, and now the entire business community is stupefied. It's like, wow, if you can do that, I, I asked the COO of Phil Webb at the time, does he have anything against you personally or your boss, RVO, uh, Roberto Ongpin? And he said, as far as we know, John, nothing. This is really, we don't know where it's coming from. Yeah, but, uh, you know, in a matter of weeks, their stock price plummeted by 75% of value. And then after that, Greg Araneta bought uh, Bobby Pin out. And because of that sample, the business community has uh, been intimidated. The same thing with the media. There are many who might not have been lured by the trappings of power, but are scared, are intimidated by the example that is made of Rappler of abscbn and previously of the inquirer and so on and they say, see I, we don't want to we want we don't want that to happen to us and again it's the davo template he did that also on a, a city scale when he was mayor of davo
0: How do we explain his escalation? Because in the first part of his administration, it was just verbal threats. And then he quickly escalated it to allegations against Rappler and it led to the SEC ruling against Rappler. We thought he was finished because in his template, it's just a sample. It's just pick on a few to cow the many. But then we have this escalating further to ABCBN, which is the largest network. It's a very powerful network. How do we explain this that he, you know, he's adding more to successions of co-optation. Do you think it will stop here or will this move on further to even bigger fish or to more attacks?
1: Actually, two questions. Why is he escalating now and will it continue to escalate? I think the main answer to the first question would be, he was consolidating power. I don't know if you remember, but in the early years of Duterte, when the Speaker of the House was Pantaleon Alvarez, they used to threaten the Supreme Court. I've written columns trying to dissect, trying to analyze why Alvarez, the Speaker of the House, was trying to intimidate the Supreme Court into ruling one way or another. Uh, This was around the time of the martial law declaration in the whole of Mindanao. And Speaker Alvarez was saying, well, you know, he was threatening the Supreme Court. They don't do that anymore. Why? because they know that the supreme court is fully theirs i'm afraid that the concept of judicial capture has become very real for us so now that they've reached this point they were even even able to oust a sitting supreme court chief justice uh, without using the process of impeachment and not only oust her but erase her from the record books she is not considered as a chief justice of the Supreme Court, Maria Lourdes Sereno. They, they have they, they have been able to consolidate power. They were able to cover that flank on the legal side. And I think they're quite assured that they have legal cover. They have always had super majorities, even in the 17th Congress, uh, in both the Senate and the House. But now they have uh, someone like Caetan who is fully beholden to Duterte. Alvarez was very much in Duterte's uh, camp, but Alvarez was more of a peer Alvarez was one of the two or three who convinced Duterte to run. They've been friends for a very long time. So he's on a different level than Cayetano. Cayetano will obey uh, Duterte no matter what. There is that master subordinate relationship between Duterte and Cayetano. So all these things uh, prove that there has been a consolidation of power. And of course, part of the reason is the timing. The franchise of ABS-CBN expired in, uh, in May, and that's when they went for the... For the jugular but the attacks on rappler uh, which started of course with the sauna i think but uh, escalated with the uh sec uh, revocation in january 2018 that did not follow any schedule i think they they really just wanted to make an example out of rappler i think they made a mistake i thought that uh, they looked at the landscape uh, the media landscape they said okay who do we we don't like Inquirer, we don't like ABS we don't like Rappler but it looks like Rappler is the most vulnerable they're online only they're a small group they're not attached to any major commercial interests let's go after them but they did not contend with the international goodwill that Maria has they did not contend with the courage of uh, the Rappler journalists they did not contend with the uh, outpouring of support both uh, internationally and locally so I think they made a mistake there in, in going after Rappler so so early. But now that they have uh, claimed the scalp of ABS-CBN, uh, they will definitely push through with the plan against Rappler. I know there's a motion for reconsideration with Judge Montesa. I find it very hard to believe that Judge Montesa, after writing that lame decision, will overturn herself. Uh, so I think the next battle would be the Court of Appeals or the Supreme Court. I think they're ready to meet Rappler there as well. It took them this time because they were consolidating power. They were looking at the timing. But now that the president only has uh, two less than two years in office, I think that we can see uh, more attempts to uh, to escalate.
0: Do you think that they might also feel that they made a mistake with ABS-CBN given the amount of sentiments across the general public, not just ABS-CBN employees and celebrities, but even just normal citizens? There's been a general strong uproar locally, domestically about this decision. Do you think that Malacanang or Duterte is somehow trying to walk back on this by, again, painting this as an attack on on oligarchs and not on press freedom. Do you think that this could affect Duterte's popularity?
1: I think that's a matter for history, but I also think that history is being shaped right now. That is to say, what will happen in the next few months will determine whether uh, it was a mistake for them to take on ABS-CBN. I know that we've, we've all seen that the very popular celebrities uh, with ABS-CBN are just now uh, so, so angry, so outraged, so looking for something to do. I think that political allies of the president will find that the pool of actors and actresses who will endorse them may shrink. The operative word is may. It, it depends. No? So right now there's this outrage, there's this agitation, and the political allies are feeling it. Defensor is complaining, being, feeling, feeling threatened in his own uh, residential village because there was that uh, noise barrage outside his house. These are the consequences uh, of uh, his decision. The president is not feeling that yet. Uh, he is isolated uh, in his mosquito net. Uh, every now and then he goes out. He goes to Sulu. He's surrounded, protected by the soldiers that he has tried to co-op. And he, he's feeling expansive. Uh, I, I feel ready to die, he says, because I was able to take on the oligarchy without declaring martial law. Whether that is uh, the high point of his uh, attacks on press freedom, or in fact the, the turning point, uh, needs to be determined. Needs to be determined by not just journalists, but by the public. So we need to watch out what's going to happen in the next uh, few days. I myself was uh, quite skeptical about the noise barrage when it was first proposed a few days ago. I mean, I, I come from the 1978 experience. There was a, I mean, the, the entire Metro Manila just erupted in noise. This was for the IVP elections when Nina Aquino was still in jail in in the Philippines. And there was no mistaking that uh, that was a successful uh, protest. There have been attempts since then and they've all failed. So I was skeptical about the noise barrage. But it turns, it seems that every day it's gaining more adherence, more, there are more protesters, there are more noise barrage events and so on. And I'm thinking, wow, uh, this definitely planned to go until the sauna. Uh, and it might actually have the legs, the momentum uh, to reach the sauna.
0: Moving towards 2022, because obviously it's on Duterte's mind. I mean, just yesterday he mentioned again his daughter, Sarah Duterte, and he was promoting her as president, saying that, oh, she she should run if she's patriotic. So, if before she, he would say, don't run because of the politicking, now he's saying, oh, you should run if you're a patriot. So, obviously, he's, his mind is on 2022. How do you think his decision? Um, his his attacks on the press, this this um, Congress acting against EBSBN. How do you think this will affect twenty twenty two and especially his bid? to promote his allies, those loyal to him, for the seat in Malacanang.
1: I think that uh, first, his mind has really been on 2022 for some time now. I've written a column before uh, where he was at three events, consecutive events, and they were all about attacks on Lenny Robredo, Grace Poe, Ping Lacson, even Dick Gordon. And I read that as uh, him... Sifting through the media, uh, the political landscape, and looking at possible contenders, he has definitely been promoting Bongo. And there, there's a very uh, Davo template uh, type of action with Bongo. He seems to be teasing Bongo. He seems to be trying to scold him, saying, "You're all at the you're you're all you're always at the fires. yung uh, and so on and so forth." It comes across like he's Gently scolding his aide. But in fact, from the Davo template, we know that he's raising the profile. But I think that the pandemic has damaged Bongo because of the Balik Provincia Initiative. So now he's considering other, he's he's always considered Sarah as an alternative. Now he's raising that profile again. He has not said anything about Mani Pacquiao because Mani Pacquiao is also a possibility. He continues to uh, think very highly of uh, Isco Moreno. Because uh, he thinks Isco Moreno is uh, A congenial uh, candidate uh, as, far as, he's, uh, as far as He's concerned So first I'd like to say that His mind has been on 2022 As his main exit strategy For a long time He's looking for an anointed successor But how will abs affect his choice? I would like to say that It will impact negatively On his choice But That's a matter for history, but the thing is, history is being shaped right now by our actions, right? So we will know in the next uh, several months. The People's Initiative as a means grant a new franchise to ABS-CBN looks like a really long shot. It's a private bill, and we've never had a successful People's Initiative uh, action. But the kind of response it has generated, I, I, I hear, for instance, that one of the calls... For volunteers, in 24 hours, generated 10,000 volunteers. I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, that 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 shows us that uh, of all the many scandals and controversies that Duterte was responsible for, shutting down ABS-CBN is the biggest. It it has uh, the it has had and it is having the most impact. Uh, And that's that's not hard to see why, right? I mean, it's the largest network with the biggest uh, uh, celebrities um, with the largest news operation. Of course, it affects a lot of people. I I keep telling uh, my uh, journalist friends from other countries that in a way, our media situation is different because two of the best-known, most credible, uh, charitable organizations in our country... Are run by TV networks uh, GMA's foundation and ABS CBN's foundation there is a there is residual goodwill uh, in the different provinces uh, because these f- uh, foundations always go to work when there is a, uh, a disaster uh, or relief operations are needed and so on and so forth so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that would be another factor why the impact has been so widespread uh, and has been so negative Many people are invested in ABS-CBN whether they realize it or not. I hope that will have an impact on the president's choice, but it's really up to us, the public, to shape that uh, history.
0: Last question, Sir John. How do you think people can help media now? I mean, some people would say it's too late because ABS-CBN is off air and now many, many, many journalists feel even more scared to tackle the presidency and to be critical of the government. So how then can normal Filipinos who consume news, who watch their favorite shows, how can they help media now in standing up to the powers that be and continuing with their job of holding the power to account?
1: Definitely the first thing we need to do is to support professional media. While ABS-CBN is no longer on air, it is still operational. It is on YouTube, it is on Facebook, it is on uh, digital, and its shows are also on other platforms. I was uh, gratified to know that one day or so after or maybe two days i, I forget the time period after the franchise was denied absbn uh, gained 25000 new subscribers on youtube i mean that's the way to go so we need to show our support we need to subscribe to them Rappler, for instance, has many newsletters. We need to subscribe to as many as uh, we can read. We need to continue buying the newspapers that we believe in. We need to show that the public itself is a countervailing force. So you can see that there is uh, this change happening in society, the change that he promised. But it's not the change that he actually specified. It's different. uh, uh, It's uh, changing our country into a nation of uh, killers rather than a country of uh, martyrs it's uh, pivoting uh, from the western world to china it's uh, rehabilitating the marcoses and it's consolidating power for the sake of power alone and this is this is what's happening you can see that and the president is hitting his stride and we need something to push him back i'm not saying oust him i'm saying push him back remind him of the limits on his presidency, that's the countervailing uh, force that we all need to compose as the public. And one way of uh, doing that is by supporting the media. There are many professional journalists. I, I'm so happy to to read the the general statement of support signed by. I think there must be a thousand signatories now of uh, journalists in different newsrooms across the country. Uh, there are many good journalists doing good work. Let's continue to support them.
0: Thank you, Sir John. Thank you for your insights. Thanks for listening. I'm Piranada. Listen to Rappler's podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts.